0: At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, we are going to be continuing our series that we began last Sunday called Christmas Light as we think about and reflect upon Jesus as the light of the world. And today, specifically, we're going to look at John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, John makes an, an incredible assertion about the person of Jesus Christ. He says of Jesus that he is both life and light, life and light. Now, when I, when I say that, for some of you who are in the room, you are resonating with those words, you're thinking, yes, Jesus is life. I have found life in him. I share his life with others. I'm following him for all time. And, and life makes sense to you connected to the word of Jesus. Or light makes sense because you think about the truth that you have come to know in the light of Christ, and the dark world that you live in is, is bearable because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for some of you in the room, life and light are accurate descriptions of Jesus. And yet for others of you in the room, when I put life and light up and I connect them to the person of Christ, uh, you begin to have some doubts. As a matter of fact, you may have associated with Jesus, not life and light, but death and darkness. Now those may be exaggerated terms, but this is what I mean. You may have associated with Jesus not life to the full, but the one who wants to take your fun from you. You think that the way that Christ is calling you to live is in the wrong direction. And so you don't associate life with Jesus, you associate death and for others of you, when you think about the light of Jesus, you don't think of him as light, you think of him as darkness because your dealings with churches or your dealings with other Christians have left you scratching your head and have led you wondering if, if all followers of Christ are, are merely hypocrites or if churches are just out for some ulterior motive. See, it's possible for some in a room this large and with people as varied experiences as you have, for us not to think about Jesus in terms of life and light, but to think of Him in terms of death and darkness. And if if that's the case, if if you're here today, then I I hope the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at will be encouraging to you to see rightly who Jesus is. Because we live in a world where it's easy to get confused, where it's easy for us to run towards the wrong goal line. Maybe to illustrate that, I I think about a very famous and very decorated professional football player from 55 years ago, a man by the name of Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall is famous for many things. One of the things he's famous for is he recovered more fumbles than any other player in NFL history, a very talented player. He played defense as a part of a defense for the Minnesota Vikings that was nicknamed the Purple People Eaters. That's how good they were. And yet Jim Marshall, even someone as talented as him, fell victim to the moment 55 years ago in October of 1955 when he was playing a game against the San Francisco 49ers and the Purple People Eaters dislodged the ball from the 49ers ball carrier. And as that ball hit the turf, Marshall scooped it up one of his record fumble recoveries. But in the excitement of the moment, rather than running towards his goal line, he ran towards the other goal line. And he ran with authority. And he ran with enthusiasm. And he ran with sincerity, believing that he was scoring for his team, believing he was going to help his team win. And when he crossed that goal line, he so believed that he had done what he was supposed to do that he took the ball and he spiked it in celebration. And the ball went rolling out of bounds. And when it did, it was a safety that counted against his own team because he was in the wrong end zone. In the excitement of the moment, Jim Marshall ran the wrong way. And friends, I believe that in the world that we live in, There are a number of opportunities, a number of decisions, a number of situations that bounce around in front of us, and we scoop them up, and in our enthusiasm and in our sincerity, it's possible that we get confused, and it's possible that we run the wrong way. And rather than scoring in life, we end up losing, sincerely losing, because we have run towards the wrong goal. You think about your life and the priorities that you have, have placed on different decisions and if you have found yourself running in the direction opposite of Jesus Christ, not following His wisdom, not following His direction, when you cross the goal, has it delivered what you hoped it would or has it left you feeling a little hollow, a little empty? Thinking that you were winning, have you found yourself at a loss. Friends, today, for those of us that might be confused inside of this world, and for all of us, I want us to look at John's gospel, and I want us to look at what he says inside of this gospel, and see John like a coach, standing on the sideline, empowered by the Spirit of God, calling to us and reminding us which direction, which goal that we're supposed to run towards. And friends, make no mistake, John knew what he was talking about. John was not someone who just developed an ideology about Jesus. He was someone who knew Jesus. He was someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus. John describes his experience with Jesus and His letter of First John, when he says this in the first three verses, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, those who were with Jesus initially, like John, they saw in Jesus life and light. And friends, as we gather here today and as we are on the front end of a Christmas season, I want us to remember that in Jesus we find our life and in Jesus we find our light as well. And we're going to see that today by looking at what John says to us in John chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. So I want to read those verses for us and then we'll back up and see a couple of different things from these verses today. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent to Now, friends, in these 14 verses today, I want us to see two things connected to Jesus as life and light. And the first thing I want us to see is really a question I want to ask each of us. And that question is this, do you want life and light? Do you want life and light? Now, here's the thing. I believe the answer to that for every one of you is yes. I believe that you are a group of people who, inside of your heart, deep in your soul, you long for life, and you long for light. Even those who are struggling with a deep depression and maybe even considering suicide, I know that this morning, in the core of your heart, you would love to have a full life. You would love to have happiness. You're trying to find where that is located. And I know even for those of you who find yourself living in some kind of, of darkness, some kind of despair, whether it's death or disease or, or whatever is going on in your life, you long for that light that would bring hope inside of that dark situation. This passage is, is answering a question that we long to know the answer to. And that is, where do I find life? And where do I find light. What tells us in verse 4 says that in him was life. In him was life. Well, who's him? Who is the him where life is found? Well, John doesn't leave it hanging. He, He lets us know who that him is. And he lets us know throughout chapter 1 and throughout the entirety of his his gospel account of the life of Jesus. He lets us know in verse 1 that the hymn where life is found, he calls the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is the embodiment of wisdom. It is the communication of that wisdom to us. There, There is one that embodies all wisdom, that knows the way to live, that knows the way of life. There is one who has that. And he's called the Word. And God has communicated that to us. Later on, we're going to see, and I'll go ahead and, and spoil it now, but the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the one in whom life is found is described as the one that embodies all wisdom. Not only is he described as the one who embodies all wisdom, but he's also described as God himself. Jesus is not someone who was created, something less than God. He is fully God, the second member of the Trinity. He's existed eternally. His birth in Bethlehem did not begin his journey, but he has always been The one who embodies all wisdom has always been, and in him is life, and in him is light. Not only do we we see him described as the Word and described as God, but he's also described as the Creator. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The agency of creation was through the person of Jesus Christ who created all things. Doesn't it make sense that from the one who is life itself that life would come? You know, this is holiday season. Many of you have decorated different parts of your house or you haven't decorated parts of your house. And those things are somewhat of a reflection on you. There are, are ornaments that mean something to you. The way you put the lights up or way that, ways that, that you want to put them up. Or the fact that there's not something up is an expression of just the reality of how busy this time of year might be for you or the challenge that you might be going through. What we do is an expression of who we are. What we see inside of this passage is that Jesus created because he was life. Life creates. Out of all of the chaos of the world, there was one who was able to make sense of it. Out of all the death that could have been, all of the lifelessness that there was, there was one who was able to speak and it happened. He's the creator. But then he makes it quite clear that this one who was the word and God and creator But it's definitely Jesus who we're talking about, because in verse 14, he calls him the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. In the original language, the one who took on a body and moved into our neighborhood. He came to our world to reveal God to us. Friends, it is in that one, it is in Jesus who embodies all wisdom, who has existed eternally, who created everything who came to us to reveal that truth. It is in him that life is found. Now, when we think about that life that is provided through Christ, the life that is is given through him, it makes sense that life would come from someone like that, doesn't it? We remember who Jesus really is, it makes sense. After all, who would know the way to live better than the one who created life? The answer is no one. He he designed us on purpose. He designed us with certain capacities so that we might live a certain way to optimize our existence. See, we fall into this thinking at times that we know what's best. But the reality is when we do what we want to do, it's hit and miss. Sometimes it delivers, sometimes it doesn't. And yet, when we follow Christ, we take the guesswork out. We go to the one who created us, the one who created all things, the one who embodies all wisdom. And we say, I want to live life the way that you have called me to live it. John later will say in John chapter 10, verse 10, he, he quotes Jesus. He remembers this conversation he had with him when he says, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, there there is a direction in life that doesn't provide life, and that way is called the thief. And he's talking about the way of Satan, the way of the world, the way of our flesh. He says, there is a thief that wants to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus says, that's not me. He says, I have come that they may have life and may have it abundantly. The abundant life that Jesus is talking about is, is not a, a life that, that fills our, our checkbook or our checking account. It's not, it's not what he's talking about. The abundant life that he's talking about is a life that is lived consistent with the way that we were created to live, to bring maximum glory to God, that gives us maximum satisfaction in our soul. That way Jesus points us towards. We can do a lot of things in life. But when we follow Christ, we do the things that we were created to do. Now, in order to drive that point home a little bit, I want to take out my phone. And and I know some of you in the room are going to go, I wonder if that's really his phone. Maybe I could text him and we'll see if it comes through. I have do not disturb on, all right? So just just so you know. Um, But, you know, my phone was created with capacities to do certain things. It was created with capacities to do many things that don't include talking on it, right? It's created to search the internet and to send messages and to send email and all of those kinds of things. It's created with this amazing capacity. Now, I can take this phone and I can use it as a hammer. I I could look up here and find a, a nail that is loose on this floorboard and I could take my phone and I could use it as a hammer to nail it back in. But I'm not going to do that, right? Now, why would I not do that? I could do that, but why would I not do it? Because it's expensive? Okay, good, yeah. But why else? Because it will break, right? It will break. Friends, we can live our lives in a lot of directions. There's a lot of things that we can do. But when we live our lives in the direction That is not how we were created to live. It breaks us. That's why it breaks the heart of God. We were created to live in a certain direction, in a certain way. Jesus has come that we might have life. Not only is it an abundant life that is the life that we were created for, but we get to experience it forever forever. John quotes Jesus again in John chapter 3 and verse 16, a very famous verse, when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what kind of life? Eternal life. Eternal life. The life that Jesus provides does not end. When we follow our own desires, the satisfaction we find is very fleeting, But when we follow Christ, we will find a satisfaction that will last forever. Even if it's momentarily challenging, it's eternally satisfying. When we follow our flesh and our own desires, we might find a moment of satisfaction, but a life of regret. Jesus came that we might have life. He is our life the passage doesn't just say that in Jesus' life, it says that life, Jesus, is also the light of men, the light of men. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about this world being a dark place. There's depression, there's death, there's despair, there's abuse, there's addiction, there's divorce. There's pain all around us in the world in which we live, and all of it kind of accumulates to create a darkness about us. And when we are living in the midst of that darkness, we we long for the light, we long for some hope, we we long for something to change the darkness into something better, and sometimes we, we grow to despair wondering if there is anything that might provide that spark, that might light up that darkness. Well, friends, when John talks about Jesus, and remember, this is the guy that, that was on a camping trip with Jesus for three years. He knew him very well. He says, Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness. And he says, the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, there's no amount of darkness, no particular kind of darkness that exists in the universe. That can snuff out the light of Christ. Because you know what darkness is? Darkness is merely the absence of light. And so, just to help us remember that, um, let's go ahead and, and turn out the lights inside of the room. Now, I do this every once in a while, just so that you can find out who around you is using their phones. So, um, but you know, you think about this room, it's pretty dark in here right now, isn't it? But what's amazing is when light shows up, it drives the darkness away. Now, the light on my phone is pretty meager, but even this little bitty light is able to light up the first several rows. But when a more powerful light, Josh, let's go ahead and turn them back on. When a more powerful light comes on, it drives the darkness completely away. That which was obscured just a moment ago is gone. Where did the darkness go? Well, it couldn't survive in the face of the light. And what John is saying is there is someone, not something, but someone who is so bright and so powerful that when he shows up, darkness doesn't stand a chance. Now, As we live out our lives and in this era of our life, there there may be some challenges with darkness as it lingers. But what John was saying was there's a hope of one day the darkness being gone for good. The same John who would write later the letter of Revelation that talks about the culmination of that light shining brightly in a new heaven, and a new earth, lions lying down with the lambs, dogs and cats living together, all of those things, right? We, we we see that promise. We see that hope. We see that light, and it's found, friends. It's found in Christ. What powers that light? Well, Jesus is full of so many wonderful things. Let's us know inside of this passage, Jesus is, is full of life. We see that in Chapter 1 and verse 4, it's an expression of who he is. He shows up and life exudes. If you're with Christ, you're with the one who is the author and the provider of life. Not only is he full of life, but also he's full of the glory of God. Chapter 1 verse 14 talks about Jesus possessing the glory of God because he is God. You know, there are lots of things that it's inappropriate for us to exalt. But when we exalt Jesus at Christmas and we make a big deal out of his birth and we celebrate that and we remember this truth, it is not too much because Jesus is worthy of exaltation because the glory of God is present around him. What what lights his path is the glory of God. He's full of life. He's full of glory. Not only that, he's full of grace, verse 14 also tells us. He's full of grace. You know what grace means? Grace means a gift. Jesus is full of gifts. He moves towards us, giving us what we do not deserve. He gives us love and grace and mercy. That's, that's who he is. He's, he's full of that. He doesn't have to conjure it up. It's who he is. Wife around Jesus is lit up by his grace. And not only is he full of grace, but he's also full of truth. He will never mislead us. Remember, He is the Word. He's the embodiment of wisdom. When we think about the truth of Jesus illuminating the world around us, it never shines us or points us in the wrong direction. It always reflects reality. I love that. How does Jesus light up our world with His truth? Well, He's given us the example of his life, showing us what God looks like, taking on a body, living the life that we live in his existence. We read that in the Gospels. But also we have the rest of Scripture. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 talks about how all Scripture is inspired by God. It is breathed out by him. Why? To correct us and reprove us and to point us in the direction, to train us in righteousness. That's the light of Christ. When we hold God's Word in our hands, there's a light that emanates from it. And I don't just mean if you've got an iPad or a phone as your Bible. I mean the nature of the text itself lights up our darkness. Not only that, but God has given the Spirit to come in and to indwell, not just the priest's and not just the pastors, but he sent his Spirit to come in and indwell the hearts and lives of anyone who knows Christ. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said that when he ascends, he will send the Spirit, and the Spirit will guide us into all truth. See, Jesus is the life, and Jesus is the light. But even those realities require us to respond. Just because Jesus is life and light doesn't mean that we will experience it the way God intended it to be experienced. There's a response that is necessary for us. And honestly, friends, as we gather today, there are two kinds of responses that are available to us that John mentions connected to the life and the light of Jesus And those responses are this, we can either receive Jesus as our life in our light, or we can reject it. God loves us and cares for us enough that he gives us an opportunity to respond. We're not robots. He invites us to respond in one of two directions in light of who Jesus is. To either respond by receiving Jesus and believing in his name or respond in rejecting him. John first begins by talking about that rejection because that sadly is the dominant response with tragic consequences. But the dominant response of of people throughout history, even those who met Jesus in the first century, was not to receive him but to reject him. See, God sent Jesus into the world and He He lived among them, and yet some rejected Him. God prepared the way before Jesus by sending John the Baptist, verses six and following, tell us to till the soil and to point people towards Jesus so they wouldn't miss him. And yet, even with all of that preparation, even with Jesus being the one who created the universe, so that so that we would when we look at the universe, we would know something about the invisible attributes of God and the power of Him, even with all of that preparation and all of that pursuit, some will look at the person of Christ and they'll reject Him. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, verse 10, But the, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive him. See, friends, it's possible for you to be here today and to hear about Jesus as life and to hear about Jesus as light and yet go back to your normal life, leave this place and go, well, that was an interesting morning. But not take Christ with you, not exalt him as your Lord, not following him with your life not believing in Him, it is possible for us to respond to this message of life and light in Jesus with a rejection of that truth. And and if that's the case, I I just want you to to know as as, as a pastor and as a friend that there is great peril on the other side of that. There's an eternity apart from God. There is judgment for sin that is real. But there's another way. And I would implore you to to not rest and not stay in that rejection, but even this morning that you might respond as John calls us to in verse 12, not with a rejection of Jesus, but by receiving him. By receiving him. Look at what it says in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, to who? To all. If you're here today today, know that the offer is on the table because you're in all to receive him. And if you receive him, that means that you believe in his name, that you are embracing that Jesus is the life and the light, the son of God who, who came and who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins so that you might be reconciled and united to God forever. That, that Jesus who loves you and who has pursued you asks that we respond, not by rejecting him, but by receiving him. And if we receive him, then this incredible promise is delivered to us. And that is that we become children of God. We are connected to him forever. Recipients of his blessing and his provision of forgiveness and of living in his presence and having the promise of eternity and not having to deal with the long-term consequences of our sin. The, The brokenness that might have happened as we used our lives like a hammer could be forgiven and restored in eternity in Christ. John says that's possible. And it's possible, verse 13 tells us, not because we were born into the right family. Sometimes we think that being a follower of Christ is about being born by, into, into a family where parents took you or grandparents took you to Sunday school or to vacation Bible school or church. And if you grew up in a family that that wasn't your background, you might think this isn't for you. John says, no, 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 no. Following Christ, being a child of God is not about being born into the right family. It's not about blood. He says, nor is it about the will of the flesh. It's not about your performance. It's not about you getting it right. It's not about you impressing God with your lifestyle or the dedication of your fervency. It's not about that either. Nor is it about the will of man. This is not a decision that someone else can make for you. Wives, your your husband can't make this decision for you. Husbands, your wife can't make this decision for you. Children, your parents can't make this decision for you. Friends, your roommates or your friends or those you run with, they can't make this decision for you. But it's still available to you because you're an all. Instead of rejecting, would you receive? Would you believe in Jesus? Welcome Him into your life. Trust Him. For the forgiveness of your sins and for the hope of your eternity, follow him with your life from this point going forward. Friends, that's the opportunity that's available for us. Will you receive it? Will you reject it? I began today talking about how all of us want life and light. Let's not, like Jim Marshall, scoop up the opportunity and run in the wrong direction. Let's hear the coach shouting from the sideline. The direction that we long for is in the direction of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we are here today, there are a room full of people that are all in different spots. There are some here, Father, who have trusted in Christ years ago, but this morning just needed to be encouraged and reminded of the life and the light that Jesus is. Father, may may we not forget it. May we be encouraged as we remember that today and that our lives might follow him. Father, for, for others who are here today, Father, they may have never wrestled with this reality. And by default or or by their volition, they have lived a life that has not received but has rejected the provision of Christ. Father, I pray today for for them that this morning, right where they sit, right now, that in the quiet of their heart and in their soul, regardless of their age, regardless of their family, regardless of their performance, regardless of what their friends are doing, but, Father, that right now, that as your Spirit is drawing them, that they might pray and receive the blessing that is found as a child of God. Father, thank you that in that moment of belief, their eternity is altered and changed forever. Thank you for your life and your light that you graciously and truthfully share with us. We thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.